What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Speaking of Murder. Real quick, shameless plug, check out our other shows. We have two other shows, Speaking of Missing Persons and Speaking of Hauntings. And I'm pretty sure Speaking of Hauntings is Sarah's favorite, so definitely go check that one out. Um, oh, because I'm I'm the only one that matters, obviously. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> What's your favorite? I like them all equally. Mm-hmm. There's no favorite child for you. Nope. What about you, Shauna? Missing persons. I don't blame you. I enjoy that one. I refuse to pick. (laughs) Well, this week, Sarah's telling our story, and I believe it's the first of a two-parter, right? Yes. And I'm pretty sure a trigger warning is in order? Yes. All right. So here's your warning now, trigger warning. There is all kinds of stuff related to... Anything that might trigger you, sexual assault <laughs> and all manner of other messed up things. So Basically, pretty much if you're bothered by sexual assault, rape, any of those things, probably wouldn't listen to this yeah, episode. This, this might not be the episode for you. So I'm just going to say this. This is my first attempt at telling a story about a serial killer so let's see how good it goes i'm excited that serial killers are some of the most interesting killers out there because a lot of other killers there's some inciting incident you know a spouse cheated or right they lost their job or whatever there's it's like a one-off right they got infuriated kind of thing right but serial killers it's, it's a, all twisty turny up there in their heads, man. It's a lot man. of triggers from childhood. Each of them have their own, like, whatever. Whatever thing triggered them as a child and it turned into a wacko brain. That's, I think, the part that interests me is because there's a lot of people out there that are, like, abused as children that grow up and are fine. Like, what is it about these dudes and I guess a small amount of women that it's just too much for their brain. I think this is just, this is prime example of nature versus nurture. Like, yeah, all like if you have a pool of a hundred people who've been abused as children and one or two of them turn out to be serial killers is that's predisposition. Right. I don't know. I think the nature versus nurture argument is, going to be had for eternity probably yeah just like it's they're going to be trying to figure out for eternity why there are serial killers in the first fucking place because there's nothing that can pinpoint exactly what creates this kind of monster yeah and we're going to talk about a monster and i picked this because his name is robert oh there's a robert in the story i don't know if i want to be associated with that he's the serial killer yeah his name is robert hansen aka the butcher baker butcher Hmm. baker i don't know why they called him the butcher baker though it makes no sense bake people no he's actually a baker oh he's just a baker he's a baker he's not a butcher no unless it's people unless it's people actually no He doesn't. Really? No. So I don't know how he got the name The Butcher Baker. Weird. It's very strange. I feel like there has to be dismemberment somewhere in this story. Not so far that I've seen. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, don't be confused, because I'm going to start towards the end and then work our way back. And then, so we're not starting at the beginning of his story like most people have. We're going to start with a 
an event that happened right before he got caught. All right. All right. So on Sunday, June 13th, 1983, which is a good year, (laughs) (laughs) 44-year-old Robert Hansen offered 17-year-old Cindy Paulson, who was a sex worker in Anchorage, Alaska, $200 to give him oral sex. He's like, you give me oral sex, I'll give you $200. Of course, she said yes, because in the 80s, $200 just for a blowjob, probably going to say yes if you're a sex worker. It just dawned on me. I know this guy. I'm not personally, but I've heard this. <laughs> I've heard say, this. Uh... I've heard this story. I've heard. Yeah, I know exactly who this guy is. Mm-hmm. So she got into his car. He immediately pulled a gun on her, handcuffed her hands together, and he told her he was taking her to his house because his wife was out of town. And he wasn't about to spend money on a motel room. Okay? He's too cheap for that. So Cindy realized she was in big fucking trouble, but she tried to stay calm. Once they were at Hanson's house, he led her to his basement and he raped her on a bearskinned rug. Trying to think on her feet, she asked to use the bathroom after. Hoping that there was a window that she could get out of. Hansen, though, was not so easily fooled, and he tied a rope around her neck and held one end of it while she went into the bathroom. She was in there, like, of course, panicking. She checked the window. It was nailed shut. So she's kind of just standing there with her back up against the door like trying to figure out what the hell to do and he she felt like the rope around her neck go limp and she heard the sound of chains outside the door naked and terrified she opened the bathroom door Hansen stood there holding a toe chain he told her if she did what he said he would not kill her Real quick, tow chain is in like towing a vehicle yeah. or like weird foot thing? No, like towing a vehicle. Okay, I wasn't sure. I mean, the dude's obviously... <laughs> no, I not, know. So I didn't know if he like, no, like had a feet thing also. No, like a big chain you would tow a car with. Smith okay. is about to die laughing. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, people wear tow rings. Maybe it's like a big tow cuff, you know, connected to some other part of God knows what. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, shit. (laughs) You can't get the image of that toe chain out of your head, can you? It's just a fact of these chains are big enough for her to hear on the other side of the door. Uh And I don't think these chains... That go on your toes are going to make that level of noise. I don't and know. I don't have any feet chains. How effective <laughs> is a toe chain going to be? I, You know what? I don't know. I imagine it would be at least fairly effective because... Yeah, I don't know. I, last time I stubbed my toe, <laughs> I was I was in tears. And if someone had control of me by the toe, but you, I don't know. His like dead serious face kills me uh, every time. Anywho, <laughs> she's just gonna so, let it go. Toe chains yeah, for a vehicle. We're talking about for a vehicle for towing a car. Got it. Okay, so before she knew what was happening, he pushed her up against a wooden post in the middle of the room, wrapped the chain around her neck and the post three times. That's how big this chain is. And then he padlocked it. Around the neck? Around the neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we know, is she standing, sitting? Like It, no, it didn't say. Okay, because I can only imagine how... 
It's terrifying already being chained to a wooden post. I think post. she was actually standing. And the way it kind of made it sound is she was standing. I feel like that's almost a like. Would that be considered torture? Because then she's she has to stand, and it, what if he leaves her there for what twenty four hours? I mean, she could pass out and choke herself to death on that. Yeah, well, he doesn't leave her there for very long. He does, shockingly, give her a blanket and wraps it around her to cover her naked body. And he tells her he's tired because he hasn't slept in like 24 hours. So he's like, I'm tired. With his gun in his hand, he walked to the couch, turned on the TV and said, here you go. You can watch TV while I sleep. And he went to sleep. He slept for five hours. So she was chained like that for five hours. During this time, Cindy was obviously terrified. She knew she was going to die if she couldn't figure out how to get away from him. She looked around the room and immediately knew he liked to kill things. That was like his thing. The room was full of taxidermied animals, piles of wolf hides. Like when I say piles, like multiple piles with like 10 to 15 wolf hides in each pile. And that bear skinned rug was from a real bear. So dude's a hunter. Yes. Also in the basement, besides the couch and the TV, was a pool table, a foosball table, and then, like, in the corner, there was, like, a desk and chairs, because I say later, he is married. He said his wife's out of town. She was a teacher, so she would teach in their home, down in this basement. Again, before she knew what was even happening, he was awake and sitting in a chair right in front of her. He told her again he was going to let her go when he was done with her, but he wanted to get his $200 worth out of her, is what he told her. Hansen also told her he was going to take her to his cabin in the woods and have sex with her there, but really, that was not his plan. Cindy planned to escape as soon as she got outside. At the, at the very least, she was going to scream her fucking head off because right. she knew he had neighbors. But again, Hansen was prepared and took her to a different car inside the garage. So she went through the house and into the garage so she never got to actually go outside. And I'm going to say it's like 5 o'clock in the morning at this point, on the 13th. He forced her into the floor in the back seat, covered her with an army blanket. Then he drove to a small airport called Merrill Field where he had a plane waiting. Cindy was staying right down the street from this airport at a motel. So she tried to stay calm until he parked to the car. And then her plan was, I'm just going to bolt. Like, Real quick, did you say where? Alaska. Anchorage, Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, okay. I'm sitting here like, this dude, I remember hearing the story once before on a different podcast. Um, I'm not sure which one. I think it was probably morbid, but um, I was sitting here like, if the dude's got his own plane, it's got, I couldn't remember if it was like Canada or Alaska. I knew it was somewhere yeah. up north. It was Anchorage, Alaska. So, super cold. And, Think cold. And not that weird for people to have their own plane. little plane. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of places you have to go, you can only get to by plane. But Anchorage, at the time, was a pretty booming place. We'll get into that. So at the airport, Hansen got out of the car and started loading his small plane with stuff. And Cindy saw what looked like camping gear and got confused because she was like, he told me he was taking me to a cabin. Why does he need all this camping gear? She noticed that he had left his driver door ajar. So she, the way I think is like, 
climbed over and kind of waited because he was just going back and forth and the trunk was blocking his view of her in the car. When she thought it was safe as it could get, she went for it. Like running for her life, handcuffed, barefoot in freaking Alaska. She looked back for a split second and he was chasing her with a gun. Not knowing what else to do, she ran straight in the middle of the street in front of a truck driver. That The man stopped. Well, he almost didn't stop. He almost hit her. But he, like, got his truck to stop a little ways past her. And she, like, ran, jumped in his car and just started screaming, this guy's going to kill me, this guy's going to kill me. And this dude driving this truck is like, what the hell is fucking happening? And he looks out his rearview mirror and sees this dude standing in the street with a gun. So he, like, takes off as fast as he can. And the way they described it is, like, he would have been going uphill, so it wouldn't have been, like, super fast. Mm -hmm. She told this man to drive her to her motel, but he said they need to go to the police station. But remember, she's a sex worker. So she's like just as scared as of the police. So she's like, hell no, I'm not going to a police station. Just let me out of the freaking car at the nearest motel. So he does. He pulls over at the nearest motel. She gets out. She runs inside and asks the front desk clerk to call her pimp, who came in like a couple minutes. The man that picked her up, though decided to go to the police and report what happened if she wasn't going to. When Cindy got back to her motel room, she was hysterical and begging her pimp to get the handcuffs off, but he couldn't. And he also couldn't get her to calm down. So he slapped her. Sean is like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) I mean, it does. If someone's hysterical, you got to do something to snap them out of it. Well, it did not work at all. So he went and got a gun and he told Cindy he was going to that fucking airport to kill this motherfucker. Thinking, okay, that'll calm her down. But it didn't. He just left her sitting there, handcuffed and crying. So. Okay. Now we're going to like, hopefully not confuse you because we're going to talk about Anchorage, Alaska for a second, because you kind of need to know what was happening in Anchorage, Alaska at this point in time. So the sex worker industry there was fucking booming. It was mostly because of the Alaskan pipeline that was being built at the time. The men outnumbered the women by a lot. And women came here from all over because they could make really good money as exotic dancers or prostitutes. The police knew that something was happening to these women and that Anchorage was not a safe place for them. A detective named Maxine Farrell had noticed there was an increasing number of missing persons reports for topless dancers, but she wasn't really sure if it meant anything or not. Because literally in Alaska, trappers disappear in outer bu- in the outer bush. Bish- fishing boats are lost at sea all the time. Miners, hikers, and hunters, like, they get lost on the trails. Pretty much the way they describe it is, like, Alaska has a shit ton of missing persons cases, especially at this time period there is a lot of there was a lot of land at the time that was completely uninhabited so a big problem the police faced with the missing women in alaska in the 70s and early 80s was they traveled the pipeline so they went from san francisco to seattle to anchorage and then honolulu and they would do this they would like go back and forth to each place and work each circuit or like the way they described it is like oh you're in Seattle and your pimp there is being a dick 
so fuck you, I'll just go to Anchorage for a while until that dude forgets about me. But they also had quite a few women that were coming from all over the United States that had like reg what they were calling regular jobs like teachers nurses all these things that were like oh I can go to Anchorage for a couple of months and make this much money and then I'll just go back home so it was hard for the police to tell who was actually missing and who just left to go back to their hometown or who left to go to a different part of the pipeline route so almost a year before the incident happened with Cindy two off-duty police officers were hunting moose on September 12th 1982 near the Kanik River sandbar which was about 25 miles from Anchorage and they found a partially clothed body in a shallow grave with what appeared to be ace bandage wrapped around her head. They think the killer used it to pretty much blind her, like make it where she couldn't see. At the time they found the body, they it was getting dark, so they had to wait till daylight to tell the Alaska state troopers what they found. The lead investigator on this case was like super meticulous like he photographed the body before it was moved after it was moved they said he examined the body himself for like any trace evidence and he also made them sift through all the gravel that was around this body which was actually a really good thing because they found a 223 caliber shell casing next like in this gravel that they thought came from a high-powered rifle like an m16 an ar-14 or a mini 14 which by the way i got a good lesson in guns yesterday i asked a professional because i was like confused because some things i looked at were calling the mini 14 a mini ar 14 but then other things were saying no it's just a mini 14 so i asked a gun expert and he said it's just a mini 14 and they're pretty cool guns (laughs) so they also figured out that somebody had put this body in a shallow grave it wasn't just because of the elements like it didn't just get covered up from being out there like it was purposely put in a shallow grave and the body had been there a long time so it was pretty decomposed they determined obviously it was a female but they couldn't tell her age she uh was ended up not being officially identified until september 27th and her name was sherry morrow She was 24 years old and a dancer at the Wild Cherry Bar, which a lot of these Anchorage strip clubs have pretty unique, cool names. They're pretty, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. They're like pretty good at naming strip clubs. (laughs) So when she danced, she went by the name Georgia. This bar was in downtown Anchorage in a part of town that was known for its seedy endeavors. So it was pretty much like their version of a red light district. A lot of prostitutes, a lot of drugs, a lot of strip clubs. And I'm just going to go ahead and say Robert Hansen's bakery literally sat right in the strip. So it was like, okay. It's a really weird spot for a bakery. uh, I was going to say that is a very strange Strange place to put a bakery. Um, and that airport he took her to was also in that area. I guess they probably need a lot of carbs yeah. for their job. <laughs> so, uh, maybe. Yeah. So Sherry had been reported missing by her boyfriend in November of 1981. So she had been out missing there for a year. For a year. The reason she was reported missing is because she had a doctor's appointment like within the couple days after she went missing and she didn't show up for that. 
The night before she had disappeared, Sherry had told her roommate that she had a date with a man that was going to pay her $300 to do a photo shoot. They were supposed to meet the next day at noon, and the APD told the public that this was when they found the body. They tried to make the public believe it was like an isolated thing. But in reality, a lot of them, when they found her body, were like suspecting there was, they were going to find more bodies. I think mostly because of where she was. Because this place was like a remote location in a sense, like there was no businesses or houses or anything there. But you could get to it by car or plane or a riverboat, but people didn't live there. It was primarily for hunting. Yeah. It was like a hunting place or like let's travel down the river in our boat kind of place. Or like they like said a lot of people just flew their planes over there because it was like super pretty. So their theories at the time when they found Sherry's body, some thought that the killer was like a nomad type of person, like a dude who would come work the pipeline, make a little money and leave. Um, other people thought that it was the Green River killer because he was getting a lot of attention at the time. I don't understand that because he's the Green River killer. <laughs> he's like, why would he just kill this random girl in Anchorage, Alaska? States away from where he's at. Well, yeah, he's in Seattle, I think. Oh. Was he in Seattle? I thought Green River was like. I'm conf- I don't know if it was in California or Seattle. It no, was like somewhere right there. I thought it right was there. in like Ohio or something. No. It's over, the- it's over in that general area. But- Oregon. It's an Oregon. Well, that's uh, just type in Green River Killer. It just says states or yeah. states, Washington and Oregon. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I think he was in Seattle. He was Pretty born sure. in Utah, Bobby. Okay, well, we're gonna talk about him someday, so let's not get too deep into it. Okay. The police actually, though, thought that a local person committed this crime because they were like this person had to know his way around the bush country this wasn't a place that you went to if you didn't know it of it kind of a deal all right so we're gonna go back to june 13th 1983 okay am i confusing anybody yet okay so an officer named greg baker showed up at the big timber motel where Cindy was staying, and found her still handcuffed and hysterical because the guy who picked her up went and reported it, told them what motel she was at, whatever. So he took the handcuffs off of her, calmed her down a little bit, and asked her what the story was. So she described the man as having extreme acne scars and warts on his face wearing thick trim glasses he was shorter with brown hair and i'm gonna throw this out there because some people said it some people didn't but some sources claim he had like a very micro penis that was like smushed (laughs) (laughs) like i'm assuming they mean like it was chubby, so it looked short and stubby. It's a micro penis, okay? <laughs> and I hope I never have to say that again. <laughs> but I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> okay. <sighs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> the level of uncomfortable Sarah gets when she has to like say penis. Yeah, I hate <laughs> it. Like... I don't want to say it. Say what? I'm not saying it again. Penis? <laughs> I'm that person that would rather say cock, wiener. <laughs> I could have said his wiener was micro and squished. Okay. But I, I decided to use the technical term. Penis. 
that bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a baby dong. Yeah, his his baby wiener. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg asked if she would go back with him to this airport and like identify the plane. Shockingly, she agreed. She's like, "Yeah, I'll go point out his plane." I mean, it's he's a cop, so right. she's with a cop. Probably feels at least yeah, a little bit mm, safer. I don't know. It's a cop, Bobby. <laughs> and she's a sex worker. That and the fact that she just got attacked by a man. It's a man cop. It, it's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Well, once they were there, she pointed out the airplane like super fast. It was a blue and white Super Cub aircraft. And it belonged to Robert Hansen. So... Not long after they got to the airport, they're like looking around and a security guard that worked at the airport approached Officer Greg and said that at 514 that morning, he saw a white male wearing a green coat and cap running from the woods toward a green vehicle. He gave Greg the license plate number. So Greg found out the plane belonged to Robert Hansen, and so did the license plate number for that car were both Robert Hansen. So you would think, huh, pretty open and shut case, right? Yeah. Okay, and I'm going to say this because this... You've got your guy. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So I'm just going to say this because I don't know why, but this kind of bothered me a little bit. And I don't get triggered as easily as my sister, so just gonna put that out there. It might bother you. So I just looked it up. That is a really small. That's a two seater. Like, yeah, it's a small plane. I think she would have to sit behind him mm-hmm. in the plane. Yeah, because there's. It looks like only two seats, and they're right one right in front of the other. Yeah, it's not a big plane. See it? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I looked up. She looked it up. She's like ahead of you, Bobby. All right, so after they left the airport, the officer took Cindy to the hospital to have a rape kit performed. She was actually on her menstrual cycle at the time, and Hansen had raped her with her tampon still in. Oh, Oh, no. no. And the doctor found sperm on the actual tampon well that's as it yeah but it's still it's the 80s they don't have the capability of matching sperm to person yeah but still um she also like the only other injuries she had was the marks from the handcuffs being on her wrists for so long but yeah that it bothered me i was like you're already a fucking ass. Why do you got to be a bigger fucking ass? He probably didn't even check. He probably didn't even give a fuck. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, if he had a micro squish he dong, probably he didn't probably even didn't it. even know that it was inside of her. Mm-mm. It's possible that he couldn't feel it. Good point. Yeah. When officers arrived at Hanson's home, he was not there, but he showed up shortly after. When he was told why they were there, he went with one of the officers willingly. He was read his rights, and he actually waived the right to an attorney. So let's talk about him for a fucking second, even though I'm sure nobody gives a rat's ass. So Robert Hansen was born on February 15th, 1939, in Esterville, Iowa. His father was a Danish immigrant named Christian Hansen. I'm sure it was Hansen, but they pronounce it Hansen. And his mother was born in the United States, and her name was Edna Hansen. So when Robert was young, the family moved to California for a brief period because his dad wanted to open a bakery there because his dad was a baker, but it was not successful, so they had to relocate back to Iowa. 
So they moved to Pocahontas, Iowa, and opened another bakery, which actually was successful. Because California just didn't like whatever they were baking. So it's kind of one of those things. Like, usually with a serial killer, one parent or the other is the problem when it comes to why they grow up and be a serial killer. And for Robert, it was his dad was the problem because it was like Robert was never good enough for his dad like no matter what he did he still treated him like he was a piece of shit that wasn't worth anything when he was starting to learn how to write he was left-handed and his dad was like no you're fucking not and forced him to be right-handed. Mm-hmm. Right with the left hand is the devil. Right. And that was a big thing, even in th- the 40s and 50s, is like, hell no, you're not left-handed. So he was forced to use his right hand, which, fun fact, can extremely fuck up your brain and make your brain all scattered and wonky, which for Robert caused a stutter like a really bad stutter i mean it makes sense because you use two different parts of your brain for right Right. or left-handed things so when the stutter started happening instead of getting him help they tried to his dad tried to shame it out of him which didn't work like it just made his stutter worse As Robert grew older, his father wanted him to take over the family business, and he had been making Robert work in the bakery from the time he was a small kid, like whether he wanted to or not. But Robert didn't want to be a baker. He was, like, thin, shy, had horrible acne and a stutter, and he had it all through school, even in high school. And he was bullied relentlessly because of it. And every girl rejected him. And the way they describe his acne is like, think of the worst acne you can have all over your entire face. That leaves like deep, crater-sized scars. So he was pretty much screwed as a high schooler. Like, I don't know. Well, this made him like want revenge against everyone and he often spent his time fantasizing about getting revenge but it was mostly on the girls who ignored and rejected him so his revenge was like against women so he would spend all of his free time like hunting collecting weapons He would practice for, like, hours behind the bakery, throwing knives, darts, whatever, because he wanted to find something that would be, like, silent. Like, he wanted to be so fast that it was silent when he threw this knife or whatever. Dude was trying to be a ninja? He did it, yeah. He didn't want people to be able to hear it coming. Mm Mm-hmm which is fucked up. Well, he joined the Army Reserves for a year when he was, like, 18. He came back when he was 19 to Iowa. They they say, like, it during that year that he was gone, so between 18 and 19, he had gotten a day pass, like, as a reward because he apparently, like, did something good in basic training. And... Some of the other dudes in the Army Reserves found out he was still a virgin, and they took him to New York City and bought him a prostitute. So that was his first sexual encounter in the first place, was a prostitute. And he, when asked about it, he pretty much was like, I don't, I mean, it was just in and out and over, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and... She didn't even care. She just kicked me out of the bed and I couldn't even sleep next to her. Like, he made it a huge... It's like one of those people that wanted 
their first time to be something like special and magical and mean something. I was say, but she's a prostitute and yeah, he but, knew that going yeah, into it. Which is what apparently his buddies tried to explain to him. But he was like, no, we were supposed to like fall in love and it's supposed to be special and magical. But everybody's first time is like over in five seconds and it's not special or magical. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. It's a train wreck. It's a fucking train wreck. It's, but yeah. So he pretty much had the Madonna complex. Like some women were supposed to be held on a pedestal if they were good and virtuous and like, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? Like he could control them. Like they were compliant. You know what I'm saying? Like religious, you're a good girl, you're not going to have sex for money, blah, blah, blah. And anyone who wasn't like that, was a whore and he really hated whores that was like his thing he like in his brain could divide the two different types of women because hmm. you're gonna like find out later when we talk about his wife like he never treated her this way but strangely when he went back to iowa he still had to work at the bakery because that's what his dad forced him to do but he also was like a volunteer firefighter and he kind of was hanging out with like junior police officers for a little bit but the sheriff like kicked him out because he was like you're fucking weird and you throw knives all day in the back of a bakery and he would tell people like openly I'm trying to do this so I can learn how to do it silently and fast and the sheriff is like no you are <laughs> not going to be a police officer <laughs> well somehow he got a girlfriend her name was phoebe everyone thought they were like really good together because phoebe was also a loner because I felt bad for her but she was like a foot taller than all the dudes she's like super tall mm -hmm. so and people described her as like not being pretty like being homely almost and so robert was like her first boyfriend ever then for so he's working at the bakery and there's these two 16 year old boys that are also working there so he starts hanging out with them and at this point he's like around 2021 20, he's hanging out with these 16 year olds and he decides he's going to get revenge and burn down the school bus garage at his old school and he's going to get these two 16 year olds to help him because that's how much he hated school he's going to burn down their bus garage i was going to ask you to ask like revenge on who everyone who did him wrong anyone who didn't date him basically yes like i'm sorry learn how to deal with fucking rejection like that's a part of life yeah so on the night Robert decided to do this, one of the boys just didn't show up. He was like, no. Good for him. No, thanks. The boy who did show up, though, wasn't really taking it seriously. Like, he didn't think they were actually going to do it. And so Robert got mad and was like, I'm just going to do it myself then. And he climbs up in the loft of this garage pours gasoline everywhere and lights it on fire so then him and that boy leave in his car and then he goes right back to the fire to help put it out because he's a volunteer firefighter but it's like a raging fire where like firefighters got hurt trying to put this fire out what a douche he just wanted to see if he could get away with it pretty much is the real reason he did it the boy that helped him felt like so guilty he was like i'm telling the cops what happened so he did he said robert set the fire and i watched him set the fire so robert got arrested obviously christian his dad was like in disbelief and refused to believe his son could do anything like that and he thought the police were framing Robert. I don't know what reason they would have to frame him. 
But he hired like a super expensive lawyer. Robert kept this charade up like I'm innocent. This boy is it's like this boy's word against mine kind of bullshit. They're framing me. Da 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 da. But in the end, he was found guilty of arson. Because he's throwing knives in the back <laughs> of a bakery. That's why. Well, before the trial actually took place, he convinced Phoebe to marry him because she at the time believed he was innocent. But she flat out told him, if I find out that you're guilty and you did do this, I'm divorcing you. And I don't think he believed her. But six months into his jail time, he confessed to actually doing it to the psychiatrist. And uh, Phoebe divorced him. Like five seconds later, she was like, bitch, I wasn't playing. Go fuck yourself. Good okay. on her. Yeah, good, good for her. Phoebe. Um, but his parents were so shamed by this whole ordeal. Did they divorce him too? No. They sold their bakery and moved to Minnesota. And started a new bakery? No, they opened a resort. Yeah. Weird. A resort in Minnesota? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tropics of Minnesota up there on the lake? I think it was kind of like a hunting lodge kind of a deal, fishing, hunting. I don't know, but it was like a big, you're going from a bakery to a resort and you're doing this because you're so ashamed of your son. Like you're going to uproot your whole fucking life from because, the shame of your son. Because he went to prison for setting a fire. <laughs> well, he, was, he only served 20 months out of a three-year sentence. During the time he was there, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which back then they called manic depressive disorder. And his psychiatrist said he suffered from infantile personality. I thought you were going to say infantile penis. (laughs) (laughs) Probably that too. So he acted like much younger than what he was. He He had the mentality of a child. Yeah, like throwing tantrums. And the psychiatrist was like, Robert is obsessed with getting revenge on people he thinks wronged him. Like, he has no way to be like, no, I shouldn't hurt that person just because they said I'm, I have acne on my face and I'm ugly. Like, in his mind, he's like, killing you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, fuck you. That's like how... Yeah, so basically, child any, like his mind was like anybody he, that tells him no. Well, okay. Well, you're going in my black book yeah. of the next person to die. Yeah, because you told me no. So, like, what some people describe is like he has this huge, like he wants to control everything in his life. Like he's obsessed with being in control and having power over you because he was pretty much powerless throughout his childhood he his dad decided everything for him and girls wouldn't date him because he stuttered and had acne and blah 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 so it's all about like control revenge kind of a deal well when he got out of prison he went straight to the his parents resort and became like their handyman and would do fishing trips like he was in charge of taking people out to fish this is where he met his second wife darla and i feel really bad for darla they fell in love while she worked at the resort for the summer she was actually from iowa too and was there for the summer just working during the beginning of their marriage robert was arrested several times for petty theft And what we're going to find out is he's a kleptomaniac. He can't help himself. He just likes the thrill of, am I going to get away with it? Kind of a deal. Sounds about right. Because of this, he would do the same thing his dad would do when shit hit the fan and just move them around. Instead of staying in one place, he's like, oh, well, I fucked up here. Let's move. And people said that she loved him so much that she would follow him anywhere without question and when he decided to move to anchorage that's what she did she's like okay let's move to anchorage he wanted to go there because of the hunting it's alaska like 
he wants to immerse himself in hunting. So Darla became a pillar of her community in Alaska. She attended the Lutheran church, like, religiously. She was very religious. She was a special education teacher, which she really loved helping these kids, but she went into it in the first place because of his issues. I was going to say, did she get into special education so she could understand her husband yes pretty much because at that's this dedication point, though at this yeah. point in his life he could control the stutter unless he was excited no like it was either like mad if he was really mad it would come out or if he had like anxiety like if he was put in a situation where his he had extreme Emotion. ex- extreme emotions. Yes, then he couldn't control the stutter. But if he was just calm and cool and relaxed, he could control it by this point. By the time he... Because I guess while he was in this prison for burning the garage down, they actually got him help with the stutter. So because she was super religious and attended this church and was a special education teacher that would like tutor and do things in her house so she had a lot of friends and because they were her friends and they're also religious and like big into the Anchorage community they just accepted Robert and made friends with him because he's married to her so he kind of got an in because of how nice and sweet she was I feel like that's how it goes majority of the time yeah but there's one partner that nobody likes and it the seems, other one no, that I'm everybody just saying, like, likes. In a lot of these stories with the crazy ass controlling husband, <laughs> there nobody like, likes me. It's like the episode <laughs> of The Amazing World of Gumball. No, I'm just saying oh like God. in most of these stories where the husband is like relentlessly controlling and psychotic and the wife is like unbearably sweet and loved by everyone in the community. So everybody just tolerates him yeah. because they like her. Yeah. The difference between these two, though, is like he didn't have to control her because she was so. No, she's going to be very um, loyal. Yes. I feel like she's a very religious wife. Like she honors him. She doesn't question him. She cooks for him, cleans for him, takes care of the kids. Like, she is that wife that's like, like, he's described as disappearing for days and would come back and she would not even ask him where he had been. She would not question him in any sort of way because in her mind, she was supposed to honor him. And so he never really had to control her. She was like, he just got to do whatever he want. No right. questions asked anyway. And he had this wife that he, from all accounts, actually really loved. He wasn't really, by anything I've read so far, he was never mean to her. So in 1983, when the whole thing was happening with Cindy at the time, so Hansen was 5'6", so about my height, your height, like not super tall. He weighed 170 pounds. His hair was short and brown and his front teeth kind of crossed over each other. And obviously he did have the acne scars as Cindy described. So when the investigator at the time was questioning Hansen, because he got brought in the same day. Like, the same day she ran from the airport, he was arrested. When he was told he was being charged with rape, raping a prostitute, his response to that, to this officer, was, you can't rape a prostitute, can you? Excuse me? What? Yeah. And the, uh. of- the <laughs> officer said to him, um, well, in Alaska, you can. Anywhere you can. Yeah. So here's the thing. Hansen gave this detective an alibi for where he was when Cindy's claiming 
he was raping her at his house and taking her to murder her, he has an alibi. According to him, he said he was with his friend John Summerall from 5 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. He was there, like, fixing his airplane seat. So how could he have flown his airplane if his airplane seat was not even in the airplane? Okay. And then he said he went to his friend John Henning's house at 5 a.m. or until 5 a.m. from a from a, like 12 to 5 a.m. And they sat around drinking and eating pizza and then he fell asleep and he woke up at 5 a.m. And then he drove to Merrill Field and put his airplane seat into the plane. That's why the security guard saw him at the airport. And then he came home and that's when he found the police were at his house. Anybody have anything to say about that? Because that's where we're ending it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this going to be a three-parter? It might. It might actually be a three-part episode. We'll see. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I do have something to say about that. Consent, and c- consent is consent. Whether or not you're paying for that consent, it's still consent. Correct. So, 100%. Because irrelevant. his argument is like he gave her the $200. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. No. And but bitch, you gave her two hundred dollars for a blowjob. Correct. That is what she. That's what she to. consented to. Agreed to is a fucking blowjob. And she's seventeen, right? Like, like come the fuck it's, on. It's the fact that he automatically devalues these women so much because yeah. they're prostitutes Prostitute. mm-hmm. that he doesn't even think of them as people no he doesn't as women he thinks they're trash so he doesn't understand like why the what do you mean i can't do what i want with them i paid her like so doesn't mean you own her and yet did he actually give her the fucking money but at the same time he was about to fucking kill her so i'm sorry you were (laughs) just gonna get your fucking money back like truth I he will paid say, her with the intent of getting a refund later. I will <laughs> give this little spoiler here. He doesn't, he didn't always kill them, honestly. When he took them in his plane to the middle of fuck, bumfuck nowhere, he didn't always kill them. He would let quite a few of them go. The only ones that he, suppo- like, the way they make it sound is the only ones he killed were the ones that he f- put up a fight. Because, again, he likes to control and be in charge of the situation. So as long as they complied, he let them go. That's what they say. Because there was a lot of these dancers and prostitutes that were raped by him. Holy smokes. All right. Wow. That was nuts. And we haven't even gotten into the actual murder part of it yet. I mean, except for the one dead body that was found. Yeah. But we haven't actually linked that to him yet. No. So, holy crap. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I like doing this to you. You don't have to apologize. He's just... He's a trash human being. Oh, 100%. Very much so. He's a fucking <laughs> demon. A like, fucking demon. It's honestly surprising... That he did nothing malicious ever to his wife. Or his kids that I've read. But a lot of serial killers compartmentalize like that. And he definitely... I know, and have completely separate, happy-go-lucky fucking... Yeah, and he did definitely... He was capable of separating women into two different categories. Yeah, ones that can be controlled and ones that refuse. Right. And if you refused, then you might as well be dead, pretty much. Which is fucking ridiculous. Holy crap. All right, so make sure that you come back next week to hear the next installment in this murder series. I don't know if it's going to be a two-parter or a three-parter yet, so I guess you'll have to come back next week to find out. Um, In the meantime, if you want to message us about this story... You can email us at missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. 
you can find some pictures. I'm pretty sure, Sam, are you putting pictures of this up this week? Well, yeah, I'll put some kind of pictures for every episode of it. I'll make sure to have something. So check out our Instagram, um, at Missing Murdered Haunted, and you can see some pictures there. Uh, Check out our Facebook. We have links to episodes uh, for our other shows on there. And if you have case suggestions, you can send those over to our email also. Um, Whatever podcast app you're listening to, before I forget, uh, hop on there. Give us five stars. Give us a follow. Share us with your friends, your family, um, anyone you know who likes true crime. Tell them about us so they can check us out too. And uh, yeah, y'all got anything else you want to add in? No, I have the hiccups. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.